Stand by for the hook. Welcome to The Hook with Katie Kempner, Vice President of Agency Communications at Crispin Porter and Bogusky, the most awarded advertising agency in the world. Every Tuesday at the intersection of advertising and PR, The Hook, where Katie talks with advertising visionaries, top journalists, cutting-edge creatives, authors, and PR gurus. Hear what these industry insiders have to say about the changing landscape of advertising and PR today. Now, here's your host, Katie Kempner. Hello, I'm Katie Kempner, and today is Tuesday, February 7th, and you are listening to The Hook, where each week I talk to advertising, marketing, and PR insiders who are both leading and covering the industry. My hope is that by hearing what these thought leaders are thinking and doing, you may find inspiration in what you do. So please join me Tuesdays at 2 o'clock for The Hook. Today's show should be a lot of fun. I am privileged to have two top journalists who cover the advertising industry here with me today to discuss the Super Bowl ads. Later in the show, I will be joined by Stuart Elliott, advertising columnist for the New York Times. And right now, I am thrilled to introduce Ad Week columnist Barbara Lippert. Hello, hey, Barbara. Katie. Hey, Katie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. So... I wanted to just, before we get started, instead of just reading off your credentials, if, if before you launch into the Super Bowl stuff, I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today and, and what you do, because you do a lot of things besides being a longtime columnist for Adweek. Right. Well, I, you know, I don't think, uh, you know, actually I was thinking about this. It's so different now about criticizing ads because, you know, there are so many places on the Internet to go to write about ads and think about ads and look mm-hmm. at ads. All of the Super Bowl ads are available today on AOL. And when I first started criticizing ads, you know, like almost 20 years ago, <laughs> everybody laughed, really. They thought it was such a crazy thing to do because it didn't exist. And now, you know, in print alone, Entertainment Weekly and all sorts of other other outlets, you know, Slate on the internet has a regular ad reviewer, and so the whole thing has just blossomed so much. So, you know, for people who try things and people laugh at them and say that's crazy, that's stupid, you know, obviously, you know, 20 years later, it's going to be a very different story. You knew what you were doing. Wait, well, I, I didn't know what I was question? doing, but I was so, just sort of a natural critic. <laughs> <laughs> it, does it make you more um, sort of not nervous, but, you know, does it worry you more to put your thoughts out there when everybody's a critic on every blog? Or Well, I think it's actually really good because I think people who, you know, know what you're talking about will value it more if they've tried it or if they have their own opinions. And I was always sort of in that in-between place between writing for a trade magazine, you know, and having a lot of inside-the-industry information and Mm -hmm. talking that way, and looking at it just as a plain consumer would, you know, sitting on the couch watching TV with their kids. So um, it's it's, that's kind of an interesting intersection. And I'm always interested in everybody else's opinion. And that's the thing, you know, especially when you have a Super Bowl. Everyone, there there are like over 50 commercials, and everybody's a critic, and everybody has a different opinion. So it's always amazing to me that, you know, the USA Today poll always has Budweiser ads number one, two, three, and four, and five because I think people there are like, you know, trained to to say Budweiser. <laughs> 
so, and also, now you were on a number of television shows I was, prior I was, to the and game. I, you know, and, what, and one since, thing I right? can tell you is that the cars they send for you have improved a lot over the years. You know, like they some 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 shows had terrible taxis and stuff, and this year I had like an Escalade and a Mercedes and. A, well, maybe that, that's or, just you. Now you're you're now you're like a big important TV star. No, I think TV that the star. shows like are improving all that. Just like you know, people didn't go to spas twenty years ago, and now it's regular thing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, let's get on to the Super Bowl spots because I'm okay. extremely anxious to hear what you have to say. What was your favorite spot of the night? Well, I guess my favorite spot of the night was the FedEx one, just because it was a big laugh. I mean, I know that the Geico. Uh, people had gotten to the cavemen earlier, but this mm-hmm. was a different kind of caveman, you know, with just grunts and 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 the fact that they were st- sending a stick by pterodactyl was pretty funny. And then the pterodactyl, of course, gets eaten, and then he has to arrive in a cave and tell his cave boss, who's like sitting on his ass eating, <laughs> that the package <laughs> didn't make it. And the cave boss says, "Why not? Didn't you use Federal Express?" And the guy says, well, it doesn't exist yet. And he said, not my problem. So, you know, even, um, you know, thousands of years ago, bosses were exactly the same. And I really thought that the problem with a lot of the commercials this year in the Super Bowl was that they had a great setup, but they just didn't go anywhere. They didn't, you know, take you to unexpected places. So that when the cave, the just-fired cave guy walks outside, he kicks a small dinosaur, and then he gets stomped on by a brontosaurus and life is over. So I didn't see that coming at all, the being stomped on by the brontosaurus. So that's why I liked it so much. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think was uh, what, what was your least favorite ad? Well, my least favorite ad was the one from GoDaddy. Go GoDaddy. dot com. And apparently, this guy Bob Parsons, who you know is the head of that website and has. He's kind of a visionary in that he's created this whole business and he's gotten millions of dollars of free publicity um, having his own blog. And apparently the blog today is filled with rants about me, about what an idiot I am. Because um, I said on TV and I also said in my column, my post-Super Bowl wrap-up, that I really thought the spot was like a $5 million vanity project, a complete waste. A complete mess. That's He's gotten said. so much publicity from trying to get it past the ABC censors 14 times. And the end spot was a bunch of, like, cliché boy executives sitting around re- reviewing the wonder of last year's spot, you know, yeah. and with the, with, the, uh, with the strap about to explode. And and I just felt like, you know, there is no idea there. There is nothing that was interesting about it. We saw the same footage last year. The ping, ping, ping thing was kind of funny, but does not a spot make. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people, I'm surprised that they're ranting at you because I think a lot of people agreed with that. Yes. And um, I also was not a big fan of the Fabio spot. No, no. Well, yeah. what, you didn't well, like I the Fabio was, spot? You know, at least they were using him in a way that made fun of him, but it's not like anybody really thinks he's a handsome leading man. He's kind of like a grotesque caricature to begin with, and the way they aged him was really grotesque, and I thought the much better joke would have been to use something that happened to him in real life, which is that they could have shown him in the gondola going under a tunnel and then getting hit by a flying goose. Oh, that's which right. Really Did that happen to him, him on a ride at a theme park or something like that? Yeah, exactly. And exactly. so life comes at you fast. Yeah, one minute you're Fabio, and the next minute you're being hit by a goose rather than aging which happens to everyone and it really didn't make sense the aging because you know it doesn't you know the the whole time concept was not part of the joke yeah yeah now let me ask you moving on to uh the ford escape hybrid suv using kermit the frog did you think that was a good idea 
or a well, bad I, idea? I, you know, I've got to say I love Kermie, and I really like seeing him. And I know people said, well, what is it for children? But I think that the Sesame Street and the Muppets characters are universal, and they are for people of any age. And I think if you grew up with them, you love them as adults. Um, if you had a child, you love them as adults. So I thought that was a really good idea, and it was a much better way to get the green idea across than, say, that bilingual commercial for Toyota with, Papi, why did you learn English? For your future, son. You know, I just thought that was, it was amazingly hackneyed and bad, that commercial. So anyway, this was a fresh take on being green, and I thought that the beginning spot with Kermit singing and, you know, in the river and doing all of this sort of Sierra Club type stuff was adorable. And then he finally gets up to see the car and oh, it is easy being green. You know, like that was the ending. It was like these writers were in fourth grade and they couldn't figure out an ending. What about a joke? What about some surprise? What about, you know, some kind of intelligent payoff? Well, that, that, yeah, that goes back to what you were saying, and you wrote about it in your, in your, your wrap-up column, yeah. where there was just a complete lack of payoff in spots this year. Exactly, and I think probably some of the problem is that, you know, everybody's expectations are so huge. Mm-hmm. And basically, you know, aside from, we will get to the Burger King spot later, but aside from that, you know, probably the best ones were the smallest ones that didn't have huge ambitions, but just worked well. You know, yeah, well, you, 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 I, you I say like that in your that creative Burger critique was, column you know, that just because a sporting event is extra large doesn't mean the commercials have to be. Right, and I like the idea that Burger King was trying to repay the audience with those huge expe- expectations with something Moulin Rouge-ish big, you know, huge and visual and a spectacle. But um, often, if you just stay true to your brand and true to something that's funny and intelligent, that will do better than the cast of thousands production numbers. Well, let's talk about Burger King for a second, as you know, uh, from my agency, Crispin Porter and Bogusky, and it got a lot of, um, well, in your your column that you wrote prior to the game, you loved it, the whole over-the-top. Yes. I loved it when I watched it a couple of times, um, and maybe that was the key because I got to see it a couple of times, and I got to see the incredibly clever detail of, you know, the costuming and the movements, and I got to watch it over and over so I could understand actually what they were singing. And I think it was, you know, so well done and so large and so rewarded someone looking for something big and different. And yet... Um, I spoke to several people who were at various parties, and they all said that no one liked it when it came on during the show. And this is very interesting to me because I've had this experience also. I get sent a spot, and I watch it, you know, like in a conference room or at home on TV, and I think it's one thing. And then I see it in the context of TV, and it seems very different. So your opinion can really change. For whatever reason, it was not what people were looking for that night. I don't know why. Maybe it was too fussy. Maybe they didn't like the idea of eating showgirls. (laughs) But um, or they didn't see any kind of link to making the food desirable, but Uh they just weren't into that kind of humor for whatever reason. What What's your take on it? Well, you know, I mean, I I loved it. Of course, people are going to say she has to say that, but but it was actually one of my favorite spots. I I love how it came out. I thought it was visually appealing and exciting and unexpected. And there was Brooke Burke and her fiance, the King, and and you know, one other thing is uh, the Whopperettes website, which is Whopperettes dot com 
Russ Klein, the chief global marketing officer of Burger King, said that it, it was it had it's the most popular site Burger King has ever launched. It had like fifty thousand viewers in just a few hours after the game. Well, that's great, and that's another new thing this year about the Super Bowl: the afterlife of all the spots on the yeah. internet. I mean, that's a really smart thing, so that it makes it worth the two point five million dollars that advertisers pay. Because if you're getting hundreds of thousands of people to your website, you know you couldn't ask for more. It's worth spending the money. Well, and you know, that's an interesting point. Stuart Elliott wrote his column today about that, and I was going to ask him about that, but could you elaborate on that a little bit? Because I think that that, that is one of the most interesting that, things that have that's happened now, which is right. it's not just the Super Bowl, especially since everyone's a critic. Right, exactly. It democratizes the whole industry. Well, uh, the whole viewing public, all 90 million of them. Um, What's different this year is that, you know, the ads are so available and at different websites, and the smart marketers did something so that they would, you know, drive the viewers to a certain website. And the biggest problem in advertising these days, among many other problems, is accountability. Um, You know, clients want to know exactly how the ad is performing, and it's not an exact science, and of course you can't tell. And sales, you know, you could have a great advertising and sometimes you can tell whether it translates to sales sometimes it takes a while but with the internet you can count exactly how many hits you get so yeah. it's a great way to you know really give a metric to how the advertising is doing and for it's a no brainer for the super bowl since people actually want to relive this and feel like they're in control and feel like they're choosing to look into it more because it interested them rather than getting hit in the head by advertising Exactly. Let, let's do this now. Let's let's we're going to take a short commercial break, and when we come back, we'll talk more about Barbara's thoughts on different spots, and we will be back right after this message. Click Tracks, all new version six. Prepare to segment your visitors and build custom reports on the fly with the most comprehensive and intuitive web analytics programs on the planet. Dan Noyes, president of Zafolia.com, writes, Click Tracks is like a religion to us. We rarely consult our clients on site or campaign changes without first seeing what Click Tracks reveals. Sign up for your free trial today. Your only risk, you may end up in our next commercial. ClickTracks.com, turning your future into a fortune. What happens when super affiliates hit the glass ceiling? They develop RevenueGateway.com. The ad network developed by super affiliates for the affiliate marketplace. Tap into the most powerful and intuitive system designed for ROI. Exclusive tier one advertisers, highest industry payouts, bonus rewards, and rock solid on time payments. Looking to be creative or need mentoring? There is always someone there for you live 24-7. RevenueGateway.com. The secret to your success. RevenueGateway.com. 3 a.m. traveling to a conference in Oklahoma City. Steve Talbot's Ford Escort radiator hose bursts near the town of Hooker. He types Hooker Escort Hookup into another local search engine's one-box search. He has a great time that he can't expense. TrueLocal.com. Two boxes. One click. Great results. Katie Kempner. Katie Kempner. May I have your attention, please? Katie Kempner. Katie Kempner. Just a little bit about the hook. The hook. The hook. What I hope to do with the hook is to give you the chance to hear what my friends and colleagues are thinking about doing. And doing. And doing. People in the marketing, PR, 
advertising industries right on the forefront and including people that cover these industries. So what I'd like to do is, what I'd like to do is, what I'd like to do is help you make your job easier. What I'd like to do is, what I'd like to do is, what I'd like to do is join me each week, 2 o'clock on Tuesdays, Tuesdays. Intersection of advertising and PR. Welcome back. I'm Katie Kempner. This is The Hook. I, I, I don't even know what to say about that little uh, rap. Oh, I love mine. that Slim Katie thing. <laughs> I Very didn't see nice. that. They, they put that together for me. Clearly, I'm not a rapper. That sounded great to me. <laughs> Thank you. I'm talking with Barbara Lippert about um, her, her favorite and least favorite picks for the Super Bowl spots. And I have to ask you about this spot that was my favorite, and you you mentioned it in your in your column before um, the Super Bowl, and I wanted to see if it it uh, got cha- if your opinion was changed as it was with Burger King, the Sprint spots. Um, which did you like the one with the crime deterrent where the phone hit <laughs> yeah. the guy in the head? When the guy got like wailed in the head yeah. with that phone. You know, I liked it, but I'm just a little worried about violence on TV. You know, really, because um, you know I could see a lot of kids doing that. Um, you know, uh, throwing their phones at people's heads. But I thought it was really very, very smart. It wasn't my, it wasn't my favorite, but it was up there because you know, talk about it was kind of making fun of the whole idea of locker room humor and yeah. men one upping each other. And um, I thought it was very clever. You know, you know, one spot I didn't really understand that well was the Cadillac Escalade spot. I mean, it was yeah. beautiful to look at. What did you think of that one? I thought it was that, you know, that sort of liquid film yeah. was incredible to look at and really transporting and very exciting. And then again, you know, so you, you're at this fashion show and on the catwalk and then the Escalade comes up and boom, that's it. It's over. So I guess it's supposed to be very sort of meditative and you know, beautiful and fantasy-like, but it didn't have any message. Right. So so you think it's a bomb? But then, although or? I really, really appreciated that it was a Led Zeppelin-free zone this year. <laughs> I've had enough Led Zeppelin. I don't think it was a bomb. I think, you know, for GM, it was moving in the right direction. Mm. I think it's very hard for them because, you know, talk about hip-hop. It's the ultimate hip-hop car. They didn't want to come up out, though, and, and go for hip-hop. They wanted to make it sort of about the intersection of pop culture and fashion and music. Yeah. Um, and so, therefore, it just wasn't clear what they were doing. Yeah. Speaking of hip-hop, yes. um, Katie, and your, your, your fabulous hopping intro there. Um, <laughs> I'm Katie. One of the spots that really disappointed me was the one with P. Daddy, uh, P. Diddy for Diet Coke. Oh, with Jackie Chan? Well, there's one with P. Diddy and then one with Jackie Chan. What did you think of those? I thought that they actually didn't make, I, I mean, I thought that Diet Coke, the Diet Coke can got quite a bit of play there. Yeah, was that exactly. a small idea? And the Diet Pepsi, it's like, you know, maybe they could have done Talk to the Can or something, you know, because P. Yeah. Diddy was trying to make the can a star. How stupid is that? 
And then brown and bubbly, frankly, I thought that was a little bit racist. You know, the way they have these brown and bubbly kind of, you know, video happening with these, you know, women dancers going crazy. You know, I, I didn't even think of it in that vein, but I, I definitely didn't think it was great. And talking about um, spots that use celebrities, what did you think of Leonard Nimoy and their leave ad? Well, you know, I was frankly kind of embarrassed for him and everyone involved in it. But oh. I do think that for the category, it was breakthrough and that, you know, it was cleverer than you would have expected. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think the problem is maybe he's contractually prevented from wearing his ears. <laughs> it's always better to have him in his ears. You mean those aren't his real ears, Barbara? <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant, you know, the Trekkie ears. But I think, you know, it's sort of sad That's to think not. that so many Trekkies have arthritis, you know, and it sort of also leads to the whole baby boomerization of, the Super Bowl from, you know, the Rolling Stones to the Aleve commercial to this this focus on retro stuff that boomers love to play into, like the MacGyver spot for MasterCard. Again, it's all like boomer comfort food. Yeah. Now, did you like that spot? I liked that spot. The MacGyver spot? Yeah. I did like it, um, and I thought the tube socks joke was funny and, you know, getting that massive explosion and truck out of tube socks. I just didn't like it as much as last year's ad, which was fantastic with all of the old ad icons. Oh, that's right. Having dinner together. And then the one before that was a Simpsons ad, which was really great also. So I didn't think it was quite as good as the previous ones. Mm-hmm. What about Budweiser, one of the sponsors of the um Well, the thing with Budweiser is that, you know, if you're going to run 10 spots, obviously there's, you know, there's going to be one or two that you love, right? Yeah. But I just felt like it was a very weak year for Budweiser in general, and I thought that, um, the streaker was great, but again, it was hard to follow. The one with the little baby horse was hard to follow, just you know, once in the context of the game. And then the mini, the magic refrigerator that moved was very funny, but again, I thought it could have had a better ending. Yeah. What about the um, the halftime show with the Rolling Stones? Gee, that really was creepy. It was like a live claymation, watching their faces, you know, because they have these really young bodies, and it's amazing how hard they worked. You know, they really, really tried to rock out, and and Mick really tried to entertain that huge crowd and sing, which is often, you know, almost impossible because the venue is just so huge. But And then we got to see his belly button and everything, but it was really like they were, you know, rockers in... um, you know, sort of a museum piece of, you know, wrinkly rockers. Yeah, it was a little disconcerting somehow or other. Yeah, I mean, not that I want to be ageist, and I think it's great, and they and I thought it was great that Mick acknowledged that he could have sung at the first Super Bowl because right. they had the satisfaction hit then. But, you know, you do think about it. I mean, some of the words were censored. But for those of, you know, Bob Garfield at Ad Age was saying that it's the, that it was inveighing against them because it was the ultimate commercial sellout. Well, where has he been for the last 20 years? You know, the um, the Stones are one of the savviest bands about selling out. You know, Mick's a yeah. genius about, you know, selling out to the highest bidder. So I didn't see anything wrong with that. Well, are there any spots that um, either you loved or you hated that we didn't touch upon? Um, I'm just, you know, I actually really liked, and I didn't get a chance to write about this in my column, I liked that pirate one for Sharpie. I mean, who expects Sharpie to be on the Super Bowl? Yeah, I liked that one, too, And actually. it was just dumb and small enough to be funny. You know, it just sort of didn't have any airs, and it just came out of the blue, and pirate jokes are always funny. 
pirate checks are always Especially, <laughs> you know, yeah. the fact that he, he needed the retractable Sharpie, except that he was only signing an X anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Any any other, like, real bombs that we didn't get to? Um, uh, let's see. Um, well, actually, another spot that I liked that was very not talked about much was the Disney spot about all the athletes preparing to say, I'm going to Disney World. Oh, that's right. Because I find that line so obnoxious when it happens, and they found a way to, like, make fun of that and make it less obnoxious. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. Well, I thank you for all of your... Um, insights into the Super Bowl ads, and I want to just ask you one more thing before you go. Yeah, that one, quickly. I, didn't yeah. I, I told you. Yes. You said it was going to, see, it goes very quickly. Will you, yeah. well, will you come back? I was worried back? about, you know, like, you know, having a drink lined up and going to the bathroom and stuff, because it just seemed like such a long time, but <laughs> it flew by. It goes very fast. Well, you'll have yeah. to come back, okay? Okay. But now, just one quick thing before you go, changing gears a little bit. You have had a really amazing career. Well, thank you. Are in the midst of an amazing career. <laughs> Not really, but thank you. No, no, but you okay. have, and you, you've gotten to do a lot of really interesting things and talk to interesting people. And yes. I'm just wondering if you have any advice for somebody who might be unhappy with their career or wanting to make a change, but they're afraid to do it. Any sort of right. philosophy well, my advice you would by? be the advice I, I need to give myself over and over again also, which is, you know, just be more positive. You know, get the negative gremlins out of your head about what you can't do and why you can't do it. And turn that thinking around and come up with stuff and do it. Because, you know, first of all, it helps to, you know, have talent at what you're doing and like what you're doing. And also there's no substitute for just really working hard. But the people who are very successful, and I don't count myself among them, um, are the ones who really have this vision and don't let things hold them back. Yeah. Well, that is excellent advice, and I had such a good time talking to you. Thank you so much for joining me, Barbara Lippert. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So after this commercial break, I will be joined by Stuart Elliott from the New York Times to get his thoughts on the Super Bowl spots. We'll be back right after this. Commercials off. Stand by for the hook. Now here's your host, Katie Kempner. Hello, welcome back. I'm Katie Kempner, and you are listening to The Hook. Now joining me to share his thoughts on the Super Bowl spots is Stuart Elliott, who has been the advertising columnist for the New York Times for the past 14 years. Stuart, thank you for joining me. Yes, hey Katie, great to join you today. Thank you very much. So before we get into talking about the Super Bowl stuff, I was hoping, something I sort of like to do in the beginning, I was hoping that you could just tell me a little bit about how you got to where you are today as the most influential journalist in this industry. Oh, shucks, Katie. You're too kind. <laughs> oh, I think I've been most people would agree with me. I've subject so for a million years, you... and uh, I've just, uh, just always been interested in it in one form or another, and uh, I've been writing about... Uh, writing about it either through the media coverage or marketing coverage or advertising coverage for uh, about 20 years now at different publications. I think the the interesting thing is that, you know, you have all of these, uh, uh, it's all about uh, money and celebrities and television and entertainment and uh, big battles between uh, giant corporations trying to win the uh, consumer uh, favor and uh, big categories like soft drinks and fast food and telecommunications and so on and so forth. Uh, and those uh, those are all great stories. Yeah, it, it's a fascinating industry. Now for the Super Bowl. First, I just want to ask you, why do you think that people are so fascinated with Super Bowl spots? 
Well, it's because about 20 years ago, when Apple ran the 1984 commercial uh, for the first time, it was a uh, understanding that the consumer began to have that if they would stay in the room and pay attention to the commercials, they would be rewarded with commercials that they mostly had never seen before that were filled with surprising elements, celebrities, music, talking animals, stunts, special effects, etc., etc., that would make it worth their while. So as opposed to the rest of advertising, where people now have the ability to run away from commercials as fast as they can because they, uh, for the most part, are annoying or obnoxious, the Super Bowl is maybe the one time of the year when the consumer actually looks forward to the advertising. Yeah, I know I, know I do. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just, what was your favorite spot of the, year, of the whole Super Bowl? Well, I didn't have one favorite per se. I'll just let you know some of the ones that I liked very much. Uh, okay. Uh, I like the uh, the secret refrigerator, the magic fridge commercial for Bud Light. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the uh, the uh, Mac- MacGyver comeback commercial that Mastercard ran. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed the Whopperettes very much. If I can give a nod to your agency there. Thank you, thank you. Uh, what else? The uh, the uh, streaker, the uh, the uh, the football game streaker uh, sheep that was very cute for Budweiser. Uh, those are the ones I would say that uh, in AmeriQuest those. Uh, Weird commercials, uh, the uh, don't jump to conclusions uh, spots uh, of uh, continuing the uh, uh, campaign that they began last year in the Super Bowl. What did you think about the some of the GoDaddy spot? Uh, I was very disappointed with that. I thought that last year it worked out very well for them because they were making a very clever commentary on the uh, a lot of the hypocrisy uh, from the critics who were attacking the. Uh, Janet Jackson halftime show, mm-hmm. the self sort of self proclaimed uh, uh, arbiters of morality, and that's what they were mocking in their spot last year. This year's commercial was all about themselves. They set it up as, oh, we can't get our commercial on the air. And then, you know, here they are. It's, you know, bring out the GoDaddy girl. And first of all, calling a woman uh, a girl in the 21st century uh, a day after Betty Friedan died is, uh, is in and of itself pretty lame. And then, uh, and then beyond that, you had the whole sort of jiggle and giggle uh, aspects to that commercial. And I understand that there is a, a pretty big market out there for that. And uh, uh, there are people who love that kind of uh, advertising and thinks it's the, uh, uh, the cat's pajamas. But there's an increasingly uh, large group that I think uh, feel that that's uh, irrelevant, outdated, uh, and insulting to some degree. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. What um, what other spots did you think really bombed or weren't what you were think, hoping them to be? Uh, well, let's see here. Let me get out my little. I'm get out my little cheat list. <laughs> my little my little cheat sheet based on the uh, chart that we ran before the uh, before the game. Let me see here. Um, well, a lot of the movie trailers were pretty, pretty ho hum, but that's that's the that's the fault of the movie. Yeah. Um, the uh, Diet Pepsi, I thought, was very disappointing this year. I kind of felt that they'd really sort of run the course with that sort of formulaic uh, use of celebrities and music, and uh, both commercials had pretty lame punchlines, which is very uh, unrepresentative of them usually. Yeah. Um, so those were disappointing. Um, Career Builder, it's very much, do you like to see monkeys or chimpanzees behaving like human beings or not? And there are a lot of people that feel that that's a, 
uh, exploitive, and uh, and apparently there's some terrible, uh, in some cases, terrible fates that before these befall these poor animals. So uh, I'm not not sure I was crazy about that. The Gillette commercial was just terrible, terrible, terrible work. Just this sort of bombastic, self-important gibberish about the uh, the launch of their new razor and uh, comparing it to the uh, the quest to uh, solve the uh, nuclear fusion, which I thought was uh, was hilarious. And uh, the idea that five blades are better than four or three or whatever, you don't get any reason why in that commercial. It's just uh, I just hope that they really are, you know, they think it's 1965. And that it's uh, that's the kind of advertising that one does when one launches a new product. Uh, well, let me ask you a question. That brings up an uh, an interesting question. You know, what what do you think is the main purpose of a Super Bowl spot? Is it to launch? Can it be to launch a product? Is it really more just like the overall branding of, of your company I, and your product? I think it really it really depends on what uh, what where your company is at a particular point in time. I mean, uh, given the fact that. Uh, you know, usually 90 million people watch the entire game, and upwards of 140 million tune into all a part of it. Uh, uh, obviously, that can be a fantastic opportunity to launch a new product. Uh, given if you've done, you know, the spade work ahead of time with uh, retail promotion and uh, something the next day that when people wake up on Monday morning, that that wasn't the end of the campaign, but uh, just the kickoff in terms of uh, uh, further uh, giving the support to the new product. Uh, in some cases, people use it for uh, launching a new campaign. In some cases, it's just uh, you know just sort of an institutional kind of a brand awareness commercial. Uh, you know, for products that are tied in with football, like beer and snack foods and uh, cars, people like that. I think they feel they ought to be on the Super Bowl, whether they uh, uh, whether they have a particular new product or not. They should do something like corporate image building advertising, maybe. Yeah. What but it isn't for everybody. About, I mean, there are um, a lot of cases where people go on the Super Bowl, and it was a huge mistake. Like, like who, for example? Well, the biggest example, of course, with the dot was the dot com bowls uh, back in the uh, around the turn of the century, where you had these uh, startup companies that thought that all they needed to do was run a one Super Bowl commercial, and the next morning, twelve zillion people would visit their websites, and uh, they were most of their hopes were cruelly, cruelly dashed because uh, they had uh, planned nothing else beyond that one Super Bowl commercial. Yeah. What about the Dove campaign for this cultivating girls' self self esteem? Is there anything to that? Well, you know, the, this year was an interesting. Uh, in, in previous years, there have been commercials. Uh, some advertisers that have uh, aimed their uh, ads at the large female audience of the uh, of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Super Bowl typically every year is the most watched program, not only for uh, the general uh, the audience, but also for women. Uh, in many, in most years, the Super Bowl is actually watched by more women than the Academy Awards. So, uh, so many advertisers have, uh, in the past, uh, run commercials aimed at the uh, female viewers. And I think this year you saw a little bit of a step up in that uh, with uh, some of the uh, beer advertising and uh, the uh, sort of family-oriented spots that uh, Toyota ran for the hybrid, and maybe the Kermit commercial for uh, the Ford hybrid, and uh, and obviously the. Uh, the Dove campaign, but as somebody pointed out to me, you know, the Dove campaign appeals to men who have daughters, too, not just women. Yeah, absolutely. Even Bob Garfield said that in his. He says he remains skeptical, but he has three girls. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So let me ask you another question, because you, you mentioned um, the spot that used Kermit the Frog. Is that a good idea or a bad idea? Oh, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't say. I, I think you would really need to sort of get some more information on that, you know, if there's like, Data they have on 
on traffic to their website or downloads of the commercial? I mean, is there some data that shows that uh, uh, is there? You know, what what did did people know that Ford had this kind of a a hybrid vehicle uh, in the market before the commercial ran, and uh, now a survey shows ninety seven percent are aware of it versus three percent before the game. I mean, that kind of uh, I think you need that sort of background information before you could say that that commercial was smart or dumb. Mm-hmm. What about the Escalade spot? I, you know, I, I kind of liked it visually. It was beautiful, but uh, the idea that uh, comparing the, the beautiful model on the runway to the beautiful car on the runway, I think that's been done uh, before, and uh, I didn't seem to have much more of a thought to it than that, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, to me was sort of uh, eh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you another question. I saw in your column that you had said that you thought that um, this year um, the spots were better than previous years. Well, you know, my feeling is if they're of the 55 or 60 commercials that run in the Super Bowl, if you know, if you get like you know 10 or 20 percent that are worthwhile, then you know it wasn't in vain. Then uh, <laughs> you didn't you didn't waste your your three and a half hours watching the uh, watching the game. Exactly. So I kind of felt like you know there were a number of them in there that were uh, that were uh, worthwhile and interesting and fun to watch and uh, different and uh, so on and so forth. So I felt it was it was uh, it was uh, it was useful. Yeah. Okay, I want to talk about more that you like. As soon as we come back from this quick commercial break, let's talk about some more spots that you really liked in the Super Bowl. Look we'll forward be- to it. Okay, we'll be right back. PR Web is the pioneer in online press release visibility. Think beyond search. Online visibility is what really matters. PR Web's exclusive online visibility engine delivers your message to your customers and major media outlets. Get the credibility and attention you deserve. Think online visibility from PR Web. PR Web, the only major newswire service that drives quality, measurable traffic to your site. It's all about links, baby. Content is king, but links are what you need to get you those all-important organic search listings. Float to the top of your keyword listings within the major portals while driving targeted traffic to your website at the same time. Work with a company with a proven track record for delivering results for thousands of individual website owners and major Fortune 500 companies. TextLinkAds.com is your source for securing relevant links. Baby, TextLinkAds.com. Over 4,000 clients around the world are utilizing effective content-based solutions from InfoSearch Media with the expertise of over 200 professional copywriters to work for you. Studies show that the number one factor visitors consider before making a purchase online is trust. And nothing creates more trust and loyalty than well-written, informative content. High-quality content also generates free service. Search engine traffic. Content is definitely king. Visit infosearchmedia.com today. Katie Kempner. 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 Katie
advertising industries right on the forefront and including people that cover these industries. So what I'd like to do is, what I'd like to do is, what I'd like to do is help you make your job easier. What I'd like to do is, what I'd like to do is, what I'd like to do is join me each week, 2 o'clock on Tuesdays, Tuesday. Intersection of advertising and PR. Hello, welcome back. Today I am thrilled to be joined by Stuart Elliott, advertising columnist for the New York Times, to talk about the Super Bowl spots. Hello, Stuart. Hi again. Oh my goodness. Well, luckily I have a friend on when it should be such a disaster, my biggest... uh, But we're back now, we're reconnected, Mm. and I was about to ask you about your column today, because I thought it was very interesting to talk about the increasing afterlife of Super Bowl ads. This, to me, is the biggest development of of the Super Bowl advertising in years, the fact that these commercials are now going to have some sort of a life beyond the game and uh, live on uh, because they're going to be available on all these different websites uh, uh, post-Super Bowl. And uh, the idea that the huge amount of money that an advertiser spends to be on the game, to run a commercial during the game, apparently will now serve as sort of a uh, admission into the VIP lounge, if you will, of advertising, in that it will buy you uh, the willingness of these giant uh, web uh, companies and uh, media companies to put your commercial up on their site as free content. Well, it makes it wor- worth more the money in a lot of ways that you're going to spend to be on the Super Bowl, right? I think it. I think it could, and then the idea, of course, being that um, are they, you know, quote unquote, writing off the game in order to uh, to hope that people will see the uh, commercials on these other websites in the first uh, twenty four or forty eight hours. Uh, uh, it brings up that issue too. Uh, but I think the feeling is that uh, uh, it's only when you're going to spend so much money on a commercial. It's only when you're guaranteeing the audience that you're going to deliver a fresh, new, interesting fun, wacky, different kind of commercial mm-hmm. that, uh, that these uh, websites will be interested in, in putting your, uh, your stuff up for nothing. Well, talking about the Internet a little bit, and we were talking about how people are so interested in, in Super Bowl spots. You know, there's so many blogs. Everybody has their opinion about the Super Bowl spots. Does that give you more pressure when you're writing your column, worrying about what other people think, or you could care less? Uh, I mean, you're always, you're, always thinking, you're always thinking about that, and... Uh, and then there are the peculiarities of the uh, of the process where you know we journalists do not see all the commercials ahead of time mm-hmm. we only see some of them and then in mm-hmm. some cases some of the journalists have different deadlines than others uh for instance uh my deadline is uh is uh like early sunday afternoon for my column before the the game is played so uh we always have to hedge the review by saying, uh, here's a uh, look at some of what we think will be the best and worst commercials based on uh, uh, the commercial schedule to run in the, in the game. Any other spots that um, you really thought were terrific that we haven't gone over? 
Uh, I don't know. I think we about covered the waterfront on that. Sounds good. Well, I'd like to be able to. I'd like to ask you just one more question. Sure. Before uh, before you go, um, you have really had an amazing career, and one of the things I like to ask people is, do you have any advice for someone who might be unhappy where they are, wanting to make a change but are afraid to do it? Well, you know, it's a very different time now, I think, than it used to be. Uh, there was a time in the past when having a number of different jobs on your resume was uh, a signal to the uh, would-be employers that there was something, quote-unquote, wrong with you because you were always jumping around. Uh, now it's almost the opposite. Now if you uh, show up uh, someplace and tell people you've worked at the same company for 20 years, they look at you like you're uh, a couple of uh, uh, slices of bacon shy of a BLT. Uh, it really is a, a changed world out there, and uh, I would only say to people that, uh, uh, you know, with the proviso that if you, if, you, if you have to make your mortgage payments and you're afraid to risk your, uh, your, uh, your, the, the, the weekly paycheck, uh, uh, you should be careful, of course, but uh, uh, the other side of that is I think now there's much more of an ability to uh, uh, move around and remake yourself and uh, take some time off and come back into the uh, workforce and uh, really uh, try to pursue what it is that you really want to do, what you really like. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining me. Would you come back again? Absolutely. I look forward to it, Katie. Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. And thanks to Barbara Lippert for her great insights into the big game ads. And thanks to Stuart Elliott. And thank you for listening. Please join me next Tuesday at 2 o'clock for another talk with an industry insider on the hook. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.